faces accusations this morning of a crackdown on the religious freedom of Christians when provincial government has systematically removed crosses from churches. A Protestant pastor last month was sentenced to 14 years in prison. He was convicted of financial crimes, but also for illegally gathering people to disturb social order. Seth Doan is in Beijing with the fight over the freedom to worship. Seth, good morning. Good morning. The protests can be quickly quieted and the pictures of the cross removal can be quite grainy. But for almost two years now, we've seen an ongoing battle against religion. Cell phone video released this week shows yet another cross being taken off a steeple. The government in Zhejiang province has removed sometimes burned down crosses from as many as 2,000 churches there, says U.S.-based religious activist group China Aid. At times, the Christian faithful have protested what they call illegal demolition, while one of their supporters, lawyer Zhang Kai, was paraded on state TV in February expressing remorse. At the start of the government's campaign, a church was demolished. The official reason? A violation of building codes. China's ruling Communist Party is officially atheist. Technically, it does allow freedom of religion, but those in approved religions must worship under the supervision of those who are faithful, first of all, to the states. So tens of millions of Christians meet underground in so-called family churches. This one was set up in the tiny Beijing apartment of Xu Yonghai. He spent two years in prison after writing about church demolitions and the abuse of Christians. We have up to 30 regular members at this church, he told us, but some of us are in jail from time to time. By a show of hands, can you show me how many have been detained for doing this, for gathering and praying? Wow, everyone's raised their hand. All of you have been detained. There is no justice in this country, Guo Hong told us, so we choose to believe in God and place our hope in his hands. By some estimates, there are more Christians in China than registered members of the Communist Party, which makes theirs a very powerful voice. We reached out to religious affairs authorities for some sort of comment or explanation, but did not hear back. Nora? Really fascinating. Seth Doan in Beijing, thank you so much. I think it would be good if we prayed for the Chinese church right now. We support many, many church plants through our surge project in China for many, many years now. We've had a representative here at Northwood who has planted hundreds, hundreds of churches in China. But they're on the front line. Father, in the name of Jesus. We pray for our brothers and our sisters, the family of God in China. We pray, Lord God, that you would protect them, but more so, God, you would give them boldness to speak your word. Show your life, Lord God, to tell people about the saving grace of Jesus. Father, we pray that you would protect the leadership, and we're going to honor you, God, and thank you that your church is alive and it is a light in a dark place that is accomplishing your will on this earth. We give you honor for it, Lord God, and we thank you that your church will always prevail against the powers of darkness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
such a powerful, powerful uh, situation there in China. But don't feel sorry for the church because the church has a mission. We're here for a purpose and for a mission. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, about the missional church. I was reading on this subject because I like to kind of know what I'm talking about. And I started reading a book, and this is what I, what I wanted to just read to you what I read out of the very beginning, just one excerpt out of it. And this is what it says. What is the mission of the church? The question is de- deceptively complex and potentially divisive. For starters, what do we even mean by mission? And if that can be settled, we then face more difficult questions. Is the mission of the church discipleship or good deeds or both? Is the mission of the church the same as the mission of God? Is the mission of the church distinct from the responsibilities of individual Christians? Is the mission of the church a continuation of the mission of Jesus? And if so, what was the mission anyway? Related to these questions are others. What should be the church's role in pursuing social justice? Are we right to even use that phrase? And what do we mean by it? Does God expect the church to change the world, to be about the work of transforming its social structures? What about the kingdom? How do we build the kingdom of God? Or are we even capable of building the kingdom? How does the kingdom relate to the gospel? How does the gospel relate to the whole storyline of the Bible? And how does all of this relate to mission? Created some tension, these questions in my life. Really did. And then I I started thinking about locally here and and in the United States and, and abroad about all the different churches, different churches, different emphasis. I mean, some churches have an emphasis of reaching the poor. I mean, you got to reach the poor, reach the poor. Others, it's a praying church, man. If you don't pray, you, you just forget it. You got to pray, pray, pray. Others are missions, 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 especially foreign missions. I knew one pastor who got so deep into foreign missions with his local church that he destroyed his local church. Can you imagine that? Can you destroy a church? Yes, you can. Social justice. How about street preaching? Some churches have that emphasis. Some churches, it's political causes, man. Look, we got to, you know, get our president in there. And then there's family, family, family churches, evangelism. You know, if you don't reach out, discipleship, if you don't reach in. And in all that, it's amazing how it creates tension. And then there's different size churches and there's, there's all kinds of different styles of churches. One thing I know about Jesus and when it's all said and done, no one will be able to say, Jesus, you didn't have a church that fitted me. Because he's got so many different kinds of churches that it's just astonishing. But one thing I do know in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, the scriptures are very, very clear. It says, there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. And that is the key for all people. Jesus gave his life for people, not for buildings. China... China's government can destroy buildings, but that cannot destroy the church. You understand? For them, it's a symbol of power and of aggression. But what it does, it really fuels the church. Persecution has always multiplied the church. And so it's not about a building. You know, you know I was uh, at our traffic signal the other day, and I was behind this fine car, man. I don't know how many of you like nice cars, but I like nice cars. Mercedes-Benz 
convertible, brand new. I mean, just beautiful car. And there was a bumper sticker on the back that said in, in quotations, it's just a car. It's just a car. And, you know, alongside it was like a 1992 Ford, uh, you know, whatever, Echo or whatever. And I thought, you know, when the, when the traffic signal turns green, they're both heading north. And by the will of God, they're both going to make it to Wiggins at the same time. One guy in the fine car, the other guy in not so fine car. And say, so it is with, with church buildings. They all passionate. That was a beautiful church, beautiful church. No, it's just a building. It's just a building to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. He gave himself for people, not for a building. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. It's here. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us in Christ. He did that through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Remember that. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, counting, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So important. So important. We are therefore Christ ambassadors as though we were making this appeal through us. He, God is speaking through the church. We implore you in Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It speaks about, it speaks about the power of God in individuals and what he has called us to be. And what, what, is, it, what is this all about anyhow? What are, what are we doing? It's all about reconciling people to God. This is, what, this is what we exist for. And we are ambassadors for Christ. You know, Caroline Kennedy is the ambassador to Japan from the United States, which means that she is a citizen of the United States, but she's living in a foreign country, and she handles the diplomatic activities of, the, of, of America. And we, once we're born again, the Bible <clears throat> teaches us that our citizenship is in heaven. And we are, we are no, we're not in heaven. It's obvious I'm not in heaven. But we're living in a foreign country on this earth, and we are ambassadors for Christ, which means that we are handling the affairs of heaven. It might sound like a real heavy thing to some of you, but it's true. We're ambassadors. We're handling. We're, we're diplomats for the kingdom of God and representatives of God on this earth, just as people are in the political system. So I was thinking about what is the church's responsibility? I mean, what is the church supposed to be like? Because, you know, we're so consumer-minded that we feel like a church is supposed to do everything for us, it's supposed to give us social things to do, you know, a bowling league and, and, and all kinds of great things and, you know, meet every need we have. But this is what I believe the responsibility of the church is, and this is where the message comes today. I believe... The church is responsible, and we got this on the board, you can read it. The church is responsible to create environments and provide tools for people to know Christ, to grow in Christ, and to show the glory of Christ. <clears throat> That's why we are here. There are a lot of other things that come in to play with that, and that's good. But here are the three things. We need to get people to know Christ, we need to be able to grow in Christ, and 
We need to be able to show forth the glory of Christ. And all three of these are possible. Showing God, knowing God, know Christ, number one. Let's talk about knowing Christ because people will know Christ by the preaching of the good news. Now, what is the good news? Because we use that word. We use the word gospel. It means good news. But, but really, what, is, what does it mean? Because it, it, it's been defined in so many different ways. It's like, come to Christ and he'll heal your marriage. Come to Christ and he'll put your family together, which is just opposite of what Jesus said. When you come to Christ, sometimes it will splinter your family. Come to Christ and he'll bless you with everything you need. Come to Christ and you'll just, you'll just have a, a great life. But yet all the people around the table in China, they all raised their hands and said, we've been detained. Some have been in prison. I don't know about you, but being in prison doesn't seem to be a better life to me than being at my house every day. And so we've got, we've got good news kind of mixed up and all mixed in with, with consumerism and, and humanism. But let's boil down the good news maybe just into a couple of sentences, just, just like the bare necessities. You know what I'm talking about? And this is what it is. The good news of Jesus Christ is this, that he came to this earth and died for our sins that we might be set free. Can we start right there? That Jesus died for our sins on a cross he paid a price that we could not pay for us. And that's the good news that you don't have to go to hell, separated from God for all of eternity, but you can enjoy the presence of God for all of eternity. That's good news. If it stops right there, that's good news, folks. But that is the basics of why Jesus came. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Very, very important. He came to give hope. The Apostle Paul kind of really sets it all in. It's eternal hope mostly. Now, I know we put a lot of hope in this life, but the Apostle Paul said, if we have Jesus only in this life, we are men most miserable. There's an eternal thing that's on the other side of this that's so, so powerful. Another thing that it brings in our life is this hope of being delivered from the wrath of God into the life of God. Did you know that every person, myself included, was underneath the wrath of God. God's wrath comes upon sin. It just has to. It's judgment. But there came a day where I realized that I was lost, and oh my, it was amazing. As a matter of fact, I was reading in my Bible, and I had these little stars I would keep in my Bible, gold stars and red stars, little sticky stars, you know? And every time I'd get a scripture that really was, I would put a star by it. And I remember one day I was reading the scripture that says, we have not been appointed to the wrath of God. And boy, it just exploded in my heart. And I put a sticker right there, still in that Bible today, that said, wow, I may not know everything about the Bible, but I know this one thing, that I have not been appointed to the wrath of God because I have chosen Jesus. Very, very powerful what this good news says. It's also experiencing the love of Christ when you receive this good news. When you start to know Christ, watch this. Romans chapter five, verse eight. But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have not been, we've been justified by his blood. Since now we've been justified by the blood of Christ, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? 
For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? That's good news. Guess what, folks? If Christ died for you and loved you while you were still a sinner separated from him, how much more will he now love you that you're a child of God? Church, get the revelation that Jesus is for you, not against you. Some of you got the revelation that Jesus is not against you finally, but you need to step on over a little bit further and realize that he's for you. Because we've been justified by the blood of Jesus, he paid the price. That's the good news. That's what we need to know. The power of Christ to be an overcomer, to understand his sufferings. My pastor always taught me this. He said, Van, listen up. He said, the prosperity gospel must always be tempered with suffering. Did you get that? This idea of a life without suffering, especially for the cause of Christ, it's not the real gospel. Suffering comes with the gospel. Just read your New Testament. It's, it's filled with people who have suffered, yet God did great things with them and through them. It's just amazing. This is not, uh, you know, on the screen, but I, I did want to just read this, this scripture to you because it's so powerful because people need to know Christ. So how will they know it? The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then it begins to ask us questions. But how can they call on him on, uh, to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the message of good news. Someone must tell someone so that they can know Christ. And when that happens, you come to a place where you realize something. I'm going to tell you the best way to get saved is to realize that you're lost. Amen. Too many people just don't realize they're lost. I don't know if it's pride or ignorance or what it is, but you know what? I was lost, man. There was no question about it. Pass that test. You are lost, Van. And the answer, the only answer was you need to be saved. And Jesus saved us, and I'm glad he did. We have to know Jesus. Not only that, we need to grow in Christ. It's not just good enough to know people. Folks, let me tell you something. Sunday morning is an amazing thing because this is a Sunday morning, so I'll tell you. Amazing thing is how many of you need Christ? I need Christ. I want Christ. And, and then I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Yes, it, I want to know Christ. And then after that, it's like, well, I know Christ. That's it. But it's not good enough just to know Christ. You have to grow in Christ. Anything that is alive and healthy grows. You don't have to worry about it. Look, the trees in my backyard and the bushes, all of a sudden, I mean, just in a day, green sprouts everywhere. They're alive. No one had to tell them. I mean, it's instantaneous. They're starting to grow already. Now, they might be in for a shock here. It's liable to snow next week. Who knows? <laughs> it happens all the time. You know, it's like, I'm growing, I'm growing. And then, pow. And that's how it is with many of us. Sometimes we say, yeah, God is great. God is good. Pow, trial. Growing in Christ, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. But grow in Christ, there it is. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in be glory both now and forever, amen. 
One thing that alarms me is that I realize that people can have the knowledge of God without knowing God. You can have the knowledge of Christ and not know Christ. Can know all about Jesus but not know Jesus. That's right. It's a religious trap. And that's why you have to seek God. And there has to be a witness inside of us that Christ is alive in us. That he's resurrecting us. And we, we, we find in 2 Peter chapter 3 that he's telling us we've got to grow in it. We've got to move forward in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, knowledge uh, is this. The more you know Jesus, the more you know he loves you. The more you know Jesus, the more you love Jesus, the more you know he loves you. It's a great thing. I, I, I don't want to overuse the word love, but I'm telling you something. We should embrace and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loves us. That God cares about us. That, that God really is in this thing together. And then we grow in faith. We grow in faith as we exercise our faith. We grow in, by being healed. We, we grow by being healed from junk in our life that, that, you know, past sin, past abuse, past misuse. We grow as we're being healed. We grow while living in community. Because when you live with people, they mess with you. You know that? You who get married, you think, oh, I'm going to get married, get married. All of a sudden, then that, that person you married, they're messing with you. <laughs> you ain't never good enough, and they're going to mess with you for the rest of your life, no matter what. So welcome to the glorious married life. <laughs> you grow by exercising your, your gifts and your abilities, and you grow as you go through trials. Now, the, 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 the thing is this, is that in the local church, as a church, what does Northwood do? What's going on around here that will help us in the areas I, I just spoke about? How will we gain knowledge and faith? How will that happen? What, what goes on at Northwood that brings that? What's our mission to you? The mission is that we create environments whereby people can know Christ and where people can grow in Christ. And you're in one of them right now. If you will come to the church house as the church, as people who are expecting to hear a word from God and not being so used to it, but yet expecting God to speak something to you, I guarantee you God will speak something to you. God will speak to you and you will hear him through services and through children's ministry and through impact student ministry, we create environments whereby you gain knowledge of God. Now, it's your responsibility to know God. Because no one can know God for you. You have to know him on your own. So these are environments there. And then there's, you talk about healing. What in the world is Northwood doing to get people's lives healed? L-I-F-E groups, living in freedom, everyday groups. You say, I don't see them on Sunday morning. Where are you? Why don't we do this healing of people's lives on Sunday morning? Because we don't have time on Sunday mornings. We spend 12 weeks in small groups with a retreat at the end, and we have seen enormous things happen in people's lives to see them set free. You're in your second week starting today of your LIFE group. Your, your first teaching, wasn't that tremendous living in the tree of life rather than the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? You're healed there. And we've been doing this for many, many years. 
We call it different things at different times, but the same thing. And that is, let's deal with the junk and get it out so we can grow. Let's grow in Christ as we're healed. And then community is through small groups at Northwood. Hey, listen up, please. You got, I got your attention. Watch this. If you want pastoral care, if you want to be known in this church, if you want to be cared for in this church, you've got to be part of this church. You've got to be part of small groups. You've got to be part of what we do because that will guarantee that you'll get care. Because if you only come on a Sunday morning, two minutes before service starts and you leave one minute after church is over, no one knows you. And so no one can minister to you. Amen. Did you know that? Let's get that. Come on, let's get it right. You know, we can do that at the movies, but this ain't a movie. You know, if I'm late to the movie, who cares? I don't have to honor the movie, but I need to honor God. I need to honor his house. I need to honor his people. I need to honor his leaders. That's why I always taught you that if you're on time, you're late. And if you're early, you're right on time. In small groups, community takes place. Watch out. When you get to know people, they get to know you. Hello. Hello, you say, I don't want to be known, not me. I don't want nobody to know who I am. I'm sitting back, I just want to get the word. You're going to get the word? Come on, I hope you get the word. Small groups is for you. Come on now, it's wonderful. And then ability and gifts, and you say, what is Northwood doing that's going to help me develop my gifts and my abilities? Let's start with teams. Let's just start with that. That's a starting point. Because I know one thing, that if you won't park a car or clean a diaper, or if you won't teach a child, or if you won't serve a cup of coffee, you're probably never going to change the world for Jesus. You're probably never going to say, I want to do something great for God. Some people say, I want to teach, I want to do that, I want to do that. Well, how about just get on a team and serve somebody for a little while? Maybe you get the leadership and ability to, to maybe know your name. And when you get in teams, it begins, look, let me tell you something. You start serving on a team, and when you're powerful, and when you're trustworthy, and when you know what you're doing, all of a sudden, you get the attention of people and say, wow, this man, this woman has great potential. I think I'm going to ask them to do this. I think I'm going to ask them to do that. And you start to grow in Christ. Notice. I've never seen anyone grow in Christ who will not serve somebody else. Did you get that Sunday morning? Did you get that? It's just the way it is. You say, Pastor, that's not the way it is. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Pastor, it's not that way. Yes, it is. It is that way. Serving somebody. Why? Because Jesus came and served people. We just read, we just, we just sang about it. He washed people's feet. He washed our feet, basically, and now we bow at his feet. And then there's this thing of trials. You know, you grow through trials. And I want to tell you something right now. I'm going to make an announcement to you today. You ready? If you become part of this local church, I guarantee you that this local church will produce ample opportunities for you to have trials and trouble so that you can grow in Christ. Amen? Amen? I guarantee you this. Now, that's a brand new statement I've never made because you know what? I always try. And you, you who know me know, look, I'm going to make everything right. I'm a peacemaker. Everybody got to be, get along, get along, get along, get along, get along. Get along, little doggy. Get along with each other. Come on, love, 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 love. Hey, just, hey be strong. Don't forget. Don't forgive. Don't, you know, and forget. And oh, go, come on. Oh, be friends. Oh, don't worry about that. And now I realize that's futile. Hey, you're going you're gonna to hurt each other sometime. 
You're going to say the wrong thing. You're going to do the wrong thing. And sometimes you're going to do the wrong thing and you know it's the wrong thing and you're going to do it anyway to somebody. And God's going to use you to help people grow in Christ because you grow through trouble. We might as well just stop trying to stop trouble from coming and start understanding the grace and power of the cross and of the Christ that lives in us. And let's grow as we go through trouble and not get bitter and quit God. Amen. Amen. Isn't that right? That's what you want to do. So we know Christ. You know, we give an opportunity to We give an opportunity for people to grow in Christ. But then there's this third thing of showing the glory of Christ. We're talking about the missional church. We're talking about why we're here. To show the glory of Christ. God likes his church to show off. Hello, I know. Oh, that's going to go over real big for you. You're so proud. You say, you're, no, no. The Bible says that we've been put on display to principalities and powers. Why? To show the glory of Christ. To show that Christ can take a nobody and make a somebody for the kingdom of God. And then he puts you up there and say, hey, here's my trophy. Look at this person. Look at these people. Look at that church in that community. They're showing forth the glory of Christ. We don't have the glory of Christ, but we can reflect the glory of Christ. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. I've always loved these scriptures since the first time I read them. But you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you, were, you, you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage against war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans. And we still got pagans today. I was one, a good pagan. That though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see, hello, see your good works or your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Here we are, foreigners, ambassadors. We're living this life as people. We learned last week about the missional Christian. Today we live it corporately as the missional church. And people are going to see what's going on and they're going to glorify God. And Jesus is the one who first brought this to light in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. He said in the same way, let your light show, shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your God and your Father in heaven. How does this happen? Institutionally planned, it happens. We give, we plan to give. We plan to give locally, we plan to give regionally, and we plan to give globally. We plan to do that. We do it through missions. And our main focus is church planting. Even with Children's Cup, ultimately, it's about planting a church in these communities. That's what it's really about. Because the best way to affect a community, bar none, is to have a good local church. That's the best way to keep the momentum going of the kingdom of God in a community. And so we church plant. We've, church, we've planted over nearly 400 churches now. We're still doing that through the Surge Project. Some of the money that you give, that I give, that we give, we give to missions. We give 10% of all of our money, a tithe of a tithe. We read that in the one-year Bible yesterday. We give a tithe of the tithe, and we church plant. 
China, Africa, Central America, South America, America, we plant churches. It's exciting, and it should be exciting, because if we're, if we're just a consumer, it's not exciting. Oh, well, another movie, who cares? But I tell you what, if we're producing movies, and we're directing movies, and we're acting in movies, like, there it is. Wow, look at that. Another church plant. Yes! We have benevolence. We help other people. We help people with money. We help people with other things. We serve people through serve groups. This is institutional. We put a serve group out there. You join a group. We give you activities to do. And that's good. That's good, serve groups. Children's shelter. Man, for years, we've gone to the children's shelter. They love the kids. The kids love us. The staff loves us. They embrace us. They trust us. Our good deeds are showing there. There, There's the elderly and the handicapped helping them, building things so that people can just get in their homes. Maybe you don't know what it's like to be so old you can't climb up, uh, you know, a flight of stairs, but somebody builds a ramp and it's like, my God, I can get in my house again without crawling on my hands and knees. There's, there's help for feeding the poor. We feed the poor for providing health care. These things work, providing health care. Just yesterday, our serve group, our medical serve group, served at Gulf Coast Community Ministries, serving people who can't afford health care, serving people who are sick. They were there. It was wonderful. Institutionally, NC equips and encourages you institutionally. We empower you. We make places for you. We create atmospheres and environments for you if you want to take that. But there's, but, 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 but there's a greater thing. We want to move from institutionally doing it to individually doing it. This is the church's call. That we might show forth the glory of God, not just as a corporate body, as Northwood, but as individual people, spontaneously as you go. You give as you go. Four weeks ago, I was in a church service at our Long Beach campus. I, I was here, first service there, second service. Pastor Stephen was preaching on compassion. I was on the front row listening. And as he was preaching, I just felt the Holy Spirit just prompt me and told me something to do concerning compassion. I mean, he just arrested me on the front row right there. That's right. The pastor of the church, while an associate was preaching, is that even possible? Yes, it's possible. If you'll listen to the Holy Spirit's voice, you'll hear the Holy Spirit. And as soon as I got out of that place, I took care of what the Holy Spirit told me to do. See, spontaneous as you go, not always planned by a group or a structure. Those are launching pads. But you as individuals begin to give, begin to support. You know, like, look, you have an opportunity this morning to change the life of a child. Don't go eat lunch today with your family and you've already got the first month paid for. Move past the institution into individual involvement. Help an elderly person in your neighborhood rake their leaves. As you go, provide help for people. If you can, serve people, help people, be a blessing to people. Let me tell you about being part of the church, folks. Let me tell you how it works. A young mother in our church 
Had a major surgery, three kids, husband, house, all that. No, no group in the church to fix that. But people individually took the helm of that. Provided food, provided child care, took care of everything as she went through this major surgery. That's the way it's supposed to work. People are moved in their heart and said, I'll champion this cause. I'll champion that. I'll do this. There are people in the body and outside of the body that you can be the commander in chief of that particular endeavor individually. Now, let me close with this. NC is a catalyst to move each of us forward as a family, as one unit, and as individuals to complete the mission that Christ has given to us. I don't know where you are in this thing, but I know one thing. No matter what type church you are, no matter what the emphasis is, there's a mission. And this I do know, and this I want to tell you, Northwood, there is more to do. We are not finished. More people must know Christ. More people must grow in Christ. And more people must show forth the glory of Christ. It is our mission. It is the mandate from God. And we will not fail in accomplishing that until Jesus comes back. Amen? Amen. Come on now. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, Lord. Won't you just bow your head right now? Just if you do that, just for a moment, get along with God. Just for a moment. I want to just talk about growing in Christ and showing forth the glory of Christ. And I want to pray for you, church. I want to pray that you will just open up your wings and soar a little higher. Come on, there's just so great potential within the chairs of this room alone that God could accomplish so much that we would make a mark on this community that would be known far and wide that Jesus might get glory. So right here, if you haven't been growing in Christ, if you're not in a small group, if, you, if you've just kind of been on the fringes of things, I want you to just move on into the center, the core of what's going on by commitment today. And if you're out there and you've been kind of growing in Christ and you just want to show forth the glory of Christ, but you've kind of just been in the shadows, I tell you, I'm calling you out into the light now, out into the active part. I'm like the coach calling you off the bench. It's time to get in the game. It's time to get active. It's the time to show forth the glory of Christ. I want to pray for you, church. I want to pray that God would ignite in your heart right now a desire to serve, a desire to grow, a desire to show. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you touch your church, Lord God? I know that you speak to the church. I know that the church can hear God as individuals and as a body, God. We open up our hearts, God. We say, Lord, we will, in Jesus' name, grow. We will, in Jesus' name, show forth the glory of Christ. We commit ourselves that just individually right now, just spend some time along with God right now, developing a strategy of how you are going to show forth the glory of Christ. And then for others in this room, let me talk about the first point of knowing Christ because no one knows Christ all their life. I was 27 before I ever met Jesus.
You may be sitting in that chair right now, and some of you are sitting in a chair right now where God's got you like arrested. We've been praying for you. You're arrested by God, and He wants to talk to you about a relationship. You're sitting in that chair, and you don't know Christ. And what I mean by that, you really don't know Him. You might know everybody knows about Jesus, but you don't know Him. There's no relationship. You haven't been forgiven of your sins. You haven't come into the family of God. But man, you want to. You're like me. 35 years ago. You want that, man. It's like, yes, I want that. Well, I'm going to help you like somebody helped me. All I'm going to ask you to do while everybody's got their heads bowed and eyes are closed, I want to pray for you right where you are. I just want you to lift up your hand and say, Pastor Van, that's what I want. I want a living relationship with Jesus. Thank you, ma'am. That's right. Just go ahead and raise your hands up. Yes, yeah, right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yes, there. Thank you over here. Over here to my left. Thank you so much. Man, this is all about you. You're getting ready to meet Jesus. We're just introducing you to him. Anybody else, you say, I, I want that. I, I want that. I want to be forgiven of my sin. No matter what it is you've ever done. Anybody else, if you haven't raised your hand, just shoot it up. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Right here, right now, while you're sitting in that chair, let's meet Jesus. I want to introduce you to him. This is the way you're going to do it. You're just going to pray this prayer with me as I pray. You're just going to say, Jesus, that's me. I'm just helping you. Come on. You're right there. Jesus is looking at you. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus right now. I thank you, Lord God, that you love me, that you died for me while I was still a sinner. I thank you, Lord God, that you have received me in Christ, that I can be a new creation. I confess that I am separated from you, Lord God, and I need your help. I need you, Lord God. I need you to help me. I need you to forgive me, to cleanse me, to make me a new person. I receive Jesus right now. I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. And now I confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord. I thank you for that, Father. And I give you the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Come on. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv slash connect and fill out the online information card, our lead pastor, Van DeCote, wants to send you a letter that tells you some more steps to take that'll help you maintain your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you live in one of these areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and locations. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give or simply text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.